Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number 55 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh, and once again, not joined by my co-host Alex. Um, You know, it is what it is. Uh, We're here. No guest co-host for this week. I'd like to give a shout-out, though, to Justin Pennick from Talking Giants and Bleeding Blue. He was able to guest co-host with me last week. That was a quick decision made, and luckily we were able to get it done. We got the podcast out there, so... Again, thanks to him for that. Uh, in this episode, we do have an interview with ex-NFL uh, Super Bowl champion and also the um, champion in the CFL, which I think is called the Grey Cup, if I got that right. Yeah, the Grey Cup. He's also a Grey Cup champion. Is Brandon London, and a really great story um, that we talk about from him. You know, he, he wasn't the best in the NFL, and he also tours meniscus, so... He kind of went a different path, and you know now he's successful um, in in the TV industry. So we'll get into that a little bit, and you'll hear that a little bit later in the interview. That has Alex in there, so he's involved in this podcast. Don't worry about that. Um, in this intro, though, I will be recapping our picks. I will be making uh, the picks, and then also I'll be previewing, giving my famous three points that, as Alex likes to say. To the Monday Night Football, once again, prime time for the New York Giants uh, versus Buccaneers game. We'll also get into some NFL trade deadline rumors, some players that I would like the Giants to trade. I don't think the Giants are making any trades, uh, but, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, they already did the Marcus Golden trade, and that was pretty good because it didn't look like we were getting much use out of him. So I think it was good that we got at least a pick for him. Um, Some were saying, especially Dan Duggan, that talking around the league, he figured out that we could have gotten maybe a fifth, but uh, sixth round is okay. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll get into the other stuff in a little bit. So first of all, let's let's recap the picks. Um, Alex went eight and five this past week, and I went nine and four this past week. Uh, some games that stood out to me were the Steelers narrowly beating the Titans 27-24. The Bills actually narrowly beat the Jets. They played pretty well as 18 to 10. 
Uh, the Saints barely beat the Panthers 27-24. to The Browns winning on basically a final play. That went back and forth, 37-34 final. All the Lions Falcons came. Well, what a crazy ending that was with the TJ Hawkinson uh, catch right at the end. The Todd Gurley toe-touching in the goal line. Uh, that if, if any Giants fans know that from the Super Bowl, uh, definitely gave me some some remembering of that moment. Uh, they won. The Lions won 23-22 in that game. And then, oh, the Seahawks-Cardinals game. What a game that was. Uh, Cardinals came back. It looked like the Seahawks had it, but it was a high-scoring game back and forth. And they made it to overtime, and the Arizona Cardinals won that one. So those are my close games of the week. And, um, yeah, I think what we should do, uh, I do have Alex's picks with me. So I'll be able to, I'm just pulling them up now, uh, I'll be able to make the decision on that. So first game is going to be Thursday Night Football, and it's going to be the, not really uh, another game, just like Giants and Eagles, that not really America wanted to watch, but it's going to be the Falcons in Carolina to face the Panthers. Uh, In this one, I'm going to have the Panthers winning this one, and Alex is going to have them as well. This is weird. Uh, So Alex is going to have them as well. Sunday, it's going to be the first game we have here is a really great game. The 6-0 Pittsburgh Steelers versus the 5-1 Baltimore Ravens. And I'm going back and forth on this one. I'm going to go Ravens. I'll go Ravens. Alex is actually going to go Steelers. I I mean, I could agree with that as well. I'm going to go Ravens. Uh, I think the offense wins this one versus offense versus defense. And, um, yeah, I'm going to have the 5-1 and one Ravens uh, getting their sixth win of the season. Our next game here is going to be the 5-2 and two LA Rams versus the Dolphins. The Rams definitely, uh, last week, Matt uh, Verderam, if you haven't listened to that episode already, please go listen. That's episode number 53 with Matt Verderam, who is a fan-sided reporter, the NFL uh, fan-sided reporter. So it was very cool talking to him. We did our picks with him last week to kind of switch it up. And... Yeah, so for this one, I'm going to go Rams. I think they showed uh, you know, against the Bears what they're made of, and I think they win this one. Alex agrees with me there. Chiefs versus Jets, I think Chiefs win this one. Alex agrees with me there. Packers versus Vikings, we both believe Packers are going to win that one, so I'm kind of just flying through them here, but I'll continue. It's going to be Colts versus Lions. This, this could be a close one. Alex and I both agree on this one. I think it's going to be the Colts over the Lions. Raiders versus the Browns. I have the Browns. Again, I'm higher on Baker Mayfield. Odell Beckham is out for the rest of the season um, with an injury. So if Giants fans like that trade, I think they'll like it even more now. But, yeah, I'm going to have the Browns winning this one. Alex agrees with me there. Moving down the list, Titans, Bengals. Titans, I think, are going to win this one. Alex agrees. Bills, Patriots. This could be a good one. Patriots look very bad. Cam Newton looked very bad. We had Jared Stidham coming to this game late against the 49ers, uh, and Bills just looked okay against the Jets. That was a close one to the end. Jets could have scored a touchdown and tied it. Uh, I'm going to have the Bills winning this one. Alex is going to agree with me there. Hopefully Josh Allen could get back into a good mix. I don't think he threw a touchdown last week. Next game is going to be the 2-4 and four Chargers versus the 2-4 and four Broncos, the battle of the 2-4s. and fours. Um, I'm going to have the Broncos winning this one. And Alex is going to have the Chargers winning this one, so we split there. Next game is the 49ers versus the Seahawks. I'm going to have the Seahawks winning this one. I think Alex agrees. They got handed their first 
uh, loss of the season last weekend, and then that led to the Steelers being the last undefeated team in the, in the NFL. So I think they stay on their winning ways, though, and I think they become 6-1. and one. They get the win here. Next game is going to be the Saints versus the Bears. It's a tough one, but again, offense versus defense. The Bears showed that they did have a very bad offense last week. Uh, I don't think Nick Foles leads them to a victory here. Saints looked pretty good last week. It was a close ending, but I think the Saints win it here, and I think uh, offense beats defense. Sunday night football, Cowboys versus Eagles. I think, you know, this is tough for me, but I think with the loss of Andy Dalton, for the Dallas Cowboys, I think that uh, edges the Eagles out in this game. Uh, the NFC East is just so bad right now. And, yeah, I think I, – I just think that the Eagles will be able to get it done. And they're banged up still too. So that's going to be our picks uh, for this week eight of the NFL season. And, um, yeah, so so that's everything. I, I know I went through that very quickly, but without Alex, it's kind of hard to, you know, do in the back and forth stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, that, that, that is our week eight picks for, for this week. Um, and now let's move on to some trade stuff. So trade deadline is next week. And we did see, uh, one team that I want to talk about right now, uh, in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, they trade Everson Griffin to the Detroit Lions for a draft pick. The Cowboys just recently getting Everson Griffin, and they're going to trade him right away for, a six-round pick in 2021 that could be a fifth-rounder. So that's what they get in return. And, um, yeah, so I think it was pretty interesting that the Cowboys just got him, but, I mean, you could see that it is a good trade for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I just wanted to get that out there because it was in the NFC East. And, um, yeah, so I think it's fine. <laughs> um I guess you can say that Everson Griffin now is the same value as Marcus Golden, if you want to think about it in that way, uh, picks-wise. So I think that's a little bit interesting. I, I would feel, even though Everson Griffin is on the older side, he's a little bit better than Marcus Golden. Plus, Marcus Golden's going into his prime. So I don't know. It could have gone either way. Maybe they're the same value, uh, different position as well. So I don't, I don't know. But I just wanted to get that out of the way. Now... The famous three points. Let's go into this. Giants versus Buccaneers. Here we go. So the Buccaneers, uh, I'll start out with this uh, before I do the points, even though I just said I'm doing the points. The Buccaneers have played really, really well so far this season. I I know some people are going to say how bad they looked uh, in the beginning of the season. They just didn't have chemistry yet. You know, you didn't have the right offseason due to coronavirus and all of that stuff. So, the Buccaneers are now 5-2. and two. They played a really, really good game against the Vegas Raiders. Uh, two games in a row now. They beat the, the Packers. That was unexpected. And Tom Brady looked very good. He went 33 for 45, 369 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, and his top target being Sean Miller at six receptions, 109 yards, and a, a touchdown in last week's win. So that's going to lead into my first point, and that's going to be, you know, stop the quarterback. That's that's going to be stop the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. Um, whether you debate it or not, I do think he's the best of all time. So I guess there's something for another day, and and that's my first point. You got to stop Tom Brady. Uh, my second point is going to be the New York Giants need to keep the runs going or the the running um, the running yardage upward. So. If we're able to establish a run and, and keep that going through this game, 
Uh, Wayne Gallman, I think last week had 34 yards and a touchdown. So I would hope that we get, you know, a little more than that. Let's try to get a hundred rushing yards combined. Uh, Dion Lewis. And I don't know what the deal is with Devonta Freeman, but if Dion Lewis and Wayne Gallman can do that, you know, that would be good for the giants. Uh, Devonta Freeman, I just got the update, has not participated in practice right now for the Giants, so that is not good at all for the New York Giants. You know, you have Saquon Barkley's backup for the rest of the season coming in, and now he's injured himself, so that's a little scary. That's a little scary. And then my third and final pick, or um, the, the the my third and final point, is going to be stopping the weapons. Now... <laughs> The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are stacked uh, at the offensive positions. Um, so I'll go down the line. They have Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones uh, in the running game. And then if you want to go to the receiving game, they have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Scotty Miller now, wide receiver, who's pretty, looking pretty good. And they have Cameron Brate and Rob Gronkowski. Now, this is scary uh, looking at the Giants defense right now. The Giants defense you know, don't have the best corners. And I mean, you could put linebackers on the tight ends, but the New York Giants do not have the best corners. And it's going to be, it's going to be scary um, with them facing this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense uh, and, and all the, all the weapons that they have. And even when the starters aren't in, you know, the backups are pretty good as well. And like I mentioned, Scotty Miller has kind of had a breakout year with, with Tom Brady, but yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And now Brady's finally kind of hooking up with Rob Gronkowski. So that's a little that's a little scary as well. Chris Godwin is out for this game. So if that makes a difference, it's just Mike Evans um that that he has to deal with. Uh top tier receiver, then you got then you have Scotty Miller. All right, so back to the trade deadline stuff because I forgot to touch on this a little bit earlier. Um, some players that I do want the New York Giants, if they would be able to trade, would be Evan Ingram. Um, I, I would like to get him out of there. He has not been good. He's been injured. And he has, again, I'm going to mention again, the most drops by a tight end since 2017. So if we're able to get him out of there for, I would hope to see a second, third round pick. That might be a little too much. I don't know. Uh, if we're able to do that, I, I would take that 100%. Next player on my list is going to be Golden Tate. Now, Golden Tate was a signing when the Giants made the, uh, the signing, uh, I think it was two years ago now. He wasn't the player that I wanted uh, at all at the wide receiver position. Uh, now we're rumored to take a wide receiver in the draft. So why would we need Golden Tate? And why would we want to, you know, why would we want to be, that's why I didn't understand the signing. Why would we want to be rebuilding? with a 30-year-old wide receiver. Uh, Golden Tate is now 32, and I don't think we need him at the wide receiver position right now. He has been too good. Daniel Jones uh, favors, I think, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton over Golden Tate. He hasn't been getting open so much this season. So I think, you know, maybe it's time that we that, that we get done with him. Now, the third and final player I would say that we should trade is going to be Leonard Williams. Now, Leonard Williams... Uh, he was going to be an un unrestricted free agent in the 2020 offseason. Uh, and luckily, the Giants snagged him up with the franchise tag. So if we're able to trade him right now before he is a free agent uh, this offseason, I think it would be great. 
We lost a fifth round pick this year because of Leonard Williams. Uh, right, I still think it was a bad trade for the New York Giants. I don't know why we made the trade, but we made the trade, and now we have Leonard Williams on the defensive line. Uh, I, I think he's a pretty good player, and we can get a pretty good draft pick for him. I don't think he fits on the Giants. So I think it's good uh, that we'll be able, you know, that we can try and trade him. Now, do I see any of these three trades happening? No. I don't see any of these trades happening. I, 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 I'm going to be truly honest. I don't. Um, and if they do happen for these players, I'm going to be very excited. Now, I just want to go over uh, two players that I feel if we do make the trade for, or if we trade away, I'm not going to be happy about. Uh, it's going to actually be the injury-prone Sterling Shepard. I think that Sterling Shepard still has a bright side for him. I think no matter how many injuries he's had, you can talk about the concussions and all of that. Uh, we saw it last week. Sterling Shepard is is a pretty good player, and I think he's a player that we might want to hold on to for the long term. And if we do you know, draft a wide receiver in this coming draft, 2021, you know, with maybe an early round pick and they're young, Sterling Shepard – Believe it or not, is kind of an NFL veteran. Uh, whether he's been injured a lot of times or not, he is 27 years old. So he's been on the team since 2016, and I think he could be a little bit of a veteran presence if we get rid of Golden Tate. This is what I'm kind of implying. Uh, he can help out a, a you know younger player, and he's still a nice weapon for Daniel Jones. And that's whether we you know draft a nice wide receiver in the uh, lower rounds, first, second, and third. Uh, this coming year or in maybe two years, which hopefully he'll still be on the team. And then the last player uh, is going to be, or the second player is going to be Kevin Zeitler, um, who we traded with uh, the Cleveland Browns for. I think he's a player that you got to hold on to. He's a, little, he's a little bit older, but offensive linemen, you know, who are pretty good besides, you know, if you want to, if you want to go into the Colts uh, where the Indianapolis Colts do have the best offensive line uh, in the NFL most um, offensive linemen are kind of on the older side that are that are pretty good. And Zeidler falls into that category where he is 30 years old, but he's pretty good. He's really good for the Giants. And I think that there's no point of trading him. I mean, yeah, I, I, just, I just don't like trading him. I, I would not like to trade him. He's been very good for the Giants. And I think no matter what, whether he is older or younger, especially with our new offensive linemen, Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott, uh, and Shane Lemieux, he'll be able to train them as a, as a veteran uh, in the NFL and hopefully, you know, kind of grow them to be better because from what we saw on Thursday Night Football against the Eagles, <laughs> Matt Parrott and, and um, Andrew Thomas did not play that well. They did not play that good. So... That's that's really what I have to say about about uh, some some players that I would like the Giants to trade and not like the Giants to trade. All right, so I think it's time. Um, before I do that, let me just say real quick, I'll do a score prediction for the Giants versus Buccaneers game. Yes, I'm doing it. Uh, I got Alex's here as well. We're gonna talk about it. Hopefully, if he's in the episode after the game, um, and we're gonna release it on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. I'm going to go 35-17 Bucks. Buccaneers. Um, no, 35-21 Buccaneers. I'll go 35-21 Buccaneers. And yeah, I think they get it done by a reasonable margin. Alex has 28-17 Buccaneers. So not, you know, 
not so much different from mine. We both have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting a win. So we'll see what happens there. If Giants, if the New York Giants want to prove me wrong, go ahead. But for right now, I'll send it to the interview with Brandon London. We are back now with a very, very special guest, Brandon London. He's a Super Bowl champion and Grey Cup champion. Brandon, how's it going today? Now, all is well, man. I'm actually, if, to be 100% honest, I'm hitting sin on a pitch email to Michael Strahan. It's, I'm just trying to figure out what to put in the reply part. I mean, in the, uh, in the little uh, subject part. <laughs> What are you guys going back and forth about? I, I, if you're, if I'm allowed to ask. No, you definitely can, man. I'm actually trying to, I'm trying to pitch him an idea uh, for a show that I've been, I've been trying to work on. I actually really just hit send just now. Uh, I work with some uh, European, European athletes. It's a recruiting service out there called PPI, and I run like passing clinics and stuff with like uh, European athletes out there. And my buddy through PPI, he runs like evaluation camps, takes the best players from those camps through, throughout Europe and uh, internationally and brings them over on a summer camp tour here in the United States. And they compete against like the kids in the States, but they compete with like, you know, Nick Saban there and all. So he's, you've got kids come over from this tour. One, you know, kids playing at Michigan now, Georgia Tech, Arizona, Notre Dame, get, you know, so um, pitching him an idea on trying to make that into like a hard knocks or like a QB one type thing. So I really just hit send uh, right when you, uh, right when I started this zoom call. So there you go. Exclusive. There goes an exclusive. Man. Very cool. Very, very cool. So I wanted to start out, uh, you know, kind of going in line and, I, and I'll start out with your college career. Uh, you played at UMass all four years and you led UMass in receptions and receiving yards. And you also finished second in uh, catches, I think, uh, for UMass. So I want to ask you about that. And especially, um, I think it was your senior year where you ended with nine touchdowns and almost 800 yards. Yeah, man. I mean, UMass, I, I, I wasn't even really supposed to go there. I couldn't, I think I couldn't, I went to Fork Union Military Academy and I still couldn't get my grades right. So I committed to uh, Texas Southern and they were going to take me at, at that time. It was like, a, it was called a prop 48. I think they call them gray shirts now. Um, so Mark Whipple, he, uh, he saw me at a, they were already recruited uh, Tracy Belton who played corner for us at that time. And then uh, there's, there was a kicker, Michael Torres that ended up, he transferred to UCF, but he came to UMass. They were recruiting them. I went with them on the visit. I met Mark Whipple and they ended up offering me on the visit. So when I came up here, I, did, I couldn't do a training camp because of my grades. I wasn't cleared through the clearinghouse yet. And I ended up uh, clearing a week before that season started. And uh, my, my coach, my receiver coach at that time was uh, Coach Gorham, you know, rest in, rest in peace. And, uh, but, you know, I played, you know, just pl played at UMass. Man, it was a great school to play at. I'm glad I made that decision. Got to play with some real great guys, uh, James Ahedabo, 
we play, end up playing, winning the Super Bowl with the Patriots and all real, really good, great guy. And we just, you know, we came up short that national championship year. And I'll take all the whatever, like, accolades, the four touchdowns in the game, the 13 catches in the game, all those. I'll take that, all those back. I'll trade those with, you know, winning that national champ. if we could have won that national championship game. Especially because, you know, Victor Cruz, Tajay Sharp, Andy Isabella, and those, those guys came in and just erased any type of record that I had. So, you know, now, now uh, you know, I'm just hoping UMass football can get back on track. So now moving on to your NFL career, um, in 2007, you got signed by the Giants um, and you are Super Bowl champion. So how does that feel? Is that like a, is that something you bring up to people? Like, hey, I'm a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> um, only, only when you're amongst other cool people, man. Okay. Uh, nah, but, uh, nah, I don't, you know, that year was crazy, man, because we started off 0-2, and I, I was on the practice squad that year, and that year, what I tell people, it, it helped me grow so much as a football player because I had to be the other team's, like, lead receiver because I would have to get our starting defense ready, so I'd run the scout team, you know, with, you know, Jared Lorenzen was a quarterback, rest in peace, uh, hefty lefty, um, you know, Anthony Wright was on that team as a quarterback, so Let's say we played, like we played the Cowboys, we played the Patriots that year. That year, I would have to be T.O. I would have to wear, you know, wear the 81 jersey or I had to be Randy Moss. And the thing that just got me good and just got me confident and like where I thought and I knew I could play NFL football was like there'd be a, a play drawn up on the cards and it'd be highlighted like they wanted you know quarterback to throw that deep post because the cowboys would play action and then to would run like a deep post so they wanted that thrown and i would be in like a double coverage or something i was still making catches and making plays in practice you know and that that gave me a year to develop and then just that whole super bowl week man was just it's always memorable because you know when you get there there's media day and then there's so many cameras and these, you know, there's all these different events and you just remember. And then the night where we wanted like the parties and, and, you know, hanging out and going to being around like celebrities and stuff that night, you just always remember that man. And uh, I was just, you know, I'm lucky, fortunate enough to, to have been on a team like that with guys like Plaxico Burris, Eli Manning, Amani Toomer, Brendan Jacobs, just, you know, I call those guys big homies for life. And, and you mentioned those players. Uh, I, I want to know, uh, especially with, you know, the, the position that you were playing, your personal connection to Eli Manning. Uh, I know, you know, you said you were on the practice squad and you were only on uh, the Giants for that season. And if there's any season that you want to be on the Giants on, I think it would be a Super Bowl season. But did you have a connection with any of the, the quarterbacks specifically? Oh, but I, I used to sit next to Eli in the uh, – uh, receive quarterbacks receiver meetings, you know, and he's always taking notes on something. You know, I used to sit right up, right up there because I wanted to be like one of those guys kind of in the front of the, uh, you know, in the classroom type thing. So, you know, even when I got the job, because like you said, that was my only season there. I was there the next off season and, uh, you know, up to the end of camp before I went and played with the Miami Dolphins. I still around those guys a lot. So even when I came back in what, 2016 to, to do Giants TV stuff like I do now, like it was still talking to Eli, still talking to Zach Diasi and David Tyree, who was, I believe, like director of player personnel or something at that time. You know, it was kind of like you never left, you know, you never left those guys. So, 
and he like even Plexico Burris, like I see him all the time, you know, out here in, in New Jersey and the Mod Bradshaw. I see um, every time I'm out in LA and when I lived out in LA, I was hanging out with Steve Smith and, you know, I'm hanging out with him. Like it was like when I used to live in uh, the Avalon Lynnhurst over in Lynnhurst and, you know, our rookie year and we used to play Madden and drive into the city all the time to hang out. So, you know, those guys, when you play, when you're in a, a locker room like that, where, you know, like you said, the Super Bowl year, you get you spend a lot of time and a lot of great moments with a lot of guys. So that goes, that's not just a one season thing. That's like a lifelong bond, you know. So I do kind of want to touch on that just a little bit because you did mention that um, you you were not with the Giants after that season. You were uh, signed by the Miami Dolphins the day after you actually were waived by the Giants. And, um, you know, your NFL career was cut short a little bit. You went with the Dolphins and then um, signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little bit. Uh, but by the, you know, the, the beginning of the NFL season in 2010, um, you weren't on an NFL team. So I just want to know what was kind of going through your head. Um, you obviously went to the CFL and had, you know, tremendous success there. But I want to, you know, first touch on that. Good question, man. No one's asked me about that blank year before. Uh, I was training, man. I was training with a guy. He's real big on Instagram now. He trains all the NFL athletes. His name is uh, Pete Bomaretto. Uh, Antonio Brown, a lot of those guys go down and they train with him. In fact, I trained with Antonio Brown uh, that that Steelers offseason down there um, uh, with Pete. But I was I was training and I was, you know, trying to keep trying to keep my mental man it's one thing because I never had a that season before I really started like getting some of those catches towards the end of the year you know they brought me in for special teams and I started coming on towards like the last couple games I had four catches in the playoff game uh with the with the Dolphins before that uh before that year the, the following year where I got cut so but I didn't I, I kind of had to wait around and wait for an opportunity and practice squad like isn't what it is like it is today like you got Des Bryant signing on someone's practice squad back then if you played in six games if you're activated for six games then you no longer had practice squad eligibility so now they can bring back guys that who have played and had careers in the NFL and put them on a practice squad. So, um, so for me, it was like, you know, I kind of caught the short end on, on that deal when I was training, but that's kind of when that TV bug kind of got planted in my head because I used to watch Entourage all the fucking time. Oh, my bad for cursing. I used to watch Entourage all the time, and I loved Vinny Chase, bro. Like, just that whole life he had about he can just bring his boys and go to auditions and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to still do football. I'm still trying to do football. But if something happens, like, if if football, if something ever happens and I got to cut football short or whatever, because I wasn't really thinking about Canada that year until late that football season. Um, and I was like, I'm going out to LA. I'm gonna be an actor, and I'm gonna just have my boys roll with me. And that's honest to God what I thought. Like throughout that whole season, watching Entourage all the time. That's why. I, I, that's when I knew I was kind of gonna do some Hollywood stuff. But uh, that that's what it was. That's all I did that football season, man. Workout and then like just chill and watch Entourage. So after that, you moved on to the CFL, and you know you were a Grey Cup champion. So you had some pretty good success there as well. Um, I guess two two championships in two different leagues. 
Um, so how did you feel about that? And how did it kind of compare to winning the Super Bowl? Uh, honestly, man, I got I got two two rings and didn't have to do a darn thing in them. I was I didn't even play in that in that uh in that great cup the year I, I went up to Montreal. So the following year with the Steelers, I was with the Steelers after that year that I uh, sat out in the NFL I, and I tried to make the team. I got released by the Steelers at the last cut in that sep- September. And I got up, I went up to Canada the middle of October and they were already towards the end of their season. So that whole time where I was working out and watching Entourage and stuff towards the end of the year, the Montreal Alouettes and the CFL, they had called me and was like, hey, we have your negotiation rights. So if I wanted to go to Canada, they were like, you're on the list to where you got to go to Montreal. So they were like, how about this? How about we fly you up and you check out one Montreal, the city, the organization, and you watch a, uh, they were in the playoffs at that time, that year. And uh, they played at the Olympic Stadium there in Montreal. And uh, they're like, well, you take a look at it. And if, you know, you go back down to NFL, if nothing happens, then you come up here, you play, you continue your career. So I did that, that, uh, that November of the year I was out from football. And then the following year, I didn't make the team with the Steelers. So after I got released in September, in October, I went up to Canada and they just, they, they were just so, they were excited to hit God to get me because I had been on their list that they just put me on IR and I didn't do any, I, all I did was practice for the rest of that year. And I played in one, I played in a half of a game, the last game of the season, they played me in one half and then they just put me on IR so I could, uh, for the, for the rest of the year. And I just did nothing and won the great cup and partied up in Canada in Edmonton, Canada that night. So it was pretty cool. But, you know, I, being up in Montreal, those six weeks, I was like, you know, I really want to see what I can get out of the CFL. I'll see, I want to, you know, get better, have some good seasons and then go back down to the NFL and give it all, you know, one more go around. But in the 20, I believe 2012 season, I was having my best year up there. Uh, I was averaging like 19 yards a catch. You know, I was doing, uh, I was had sports center cause they have sports TSN is their ESPN. I was doing like top 10 type catches and stuff. I was, and then three games, four games left with the season. I tore my meniscus and I was out for the rest of the year, including the playoffs. So that's when I went up to my coach, Mark Tressman at the time. And I was like, look, man, I come in for rehab. I get my knee done. But I can't go like what's the point of me going out for going out to practice as cold as I don't know what outside I can't do anything like can I enroll in Montreal School of Performing Arts and without hesitation he was like do it. So I just I would go in get my rehab and then I would go to theater class I was taking theater classes and stuff like that while I was up there. Cause I realized when I tore my knee, when I tore my meniscus and that was the year I was like Mark, you know, because Mark Trestman ended up going and coaching with the bears and I was a Mark Tressman guy. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go with my coach, you know, I'm going to go back down to the NFL and I'm going to, you know, be a, a Tressman guy. And I went toward, toward my meniscus. And I was like, you know what? Football really doesn't love me the way I think I love this game. So that's when I enrolled in the, the, theater performing arts and at the end of that year that off season I went out to LA and started taking uh tv tv hosting classes so I I actually want to go to the year before that in your 2011 season um because you were talking about earlier how you weren't really able to get the chance to 
to, to start or even, you know, you're on the practice squad, so you weren't even uh, able to make it to the 53-man roster. Having been able to go into that 2011 season and play all 18 games, uh, and you scored your first touchdown in the CFL that year as well. So, you know, how did that feel? Was it at least some relief? Well, with the Dolphins in 2008, I was active. I was active 15 to 16 games that year. Like I even played in the first game after being after I got released and I played the first game with the Dolphins against the Jets. I played special teams that game. But uh, yeah, it was it was it felt good to play uh, like to, to be part of something, man, to and to and to play for something like you're actually on the field. It's not just practice stuff and pre and uh, postseason stuff. You're not trying to make a team. You're trying to make a name, you know, like. So that felt good, especially because I was up there with the mindset where I was like, I was going to play these two years. I was going to try and dominate the CFL and I was going to go back down to the NFL. So I didn't initially I didn't go up there just to be like, hey, I'm 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 in Canada. I'm playing football. No, I was I went up there with a mission to like go up there, ball out and then go back down to the to the States and uh, give the NFL another go. So. Playing that 2001 season was great because I got to play with a quarterback called Anthony Calvillo, and he's pro football's all-time uh, leading like quarterback, I believe. Go go look him up, Anthony Calvillo. If you count CFL and uh, NFL, the guy was a season CFL legend, man. Like Tom Brady of the CFL up there. Like I got to play with that guy for two years, and you know I got to gain a quarterback like that's like getting like Tom Brady's trust. You know, like you see these young receivers on the on the on the bucks that that are catching touchdowns from him you know there's games mike evans is not touching the ball to the third quarter but you got their fourth and fifth receiver with the touchdown and like two or three catches already it feels good to be one of those young guys and to and to like have that court that type of quarterback have trust in you and just throw the ball up to you so it was it was it was cool to play up there. My time up there, I, I have no regrets or anything when it comes to the CFL. I love my time up there. I got to build somewhat of a brand up there, and I got to do TV stuff and, and we'll try and get that started. It get it gave me reps, my beginning reps. Right. So I kind of uh, went around that, but I do want to go back to it. You were telling me that you you took classes uh, in LA and I mean, now you're a host on a, on a TV show. So I want to know like how that kind of connected, how you were able to get that role. Uh, I wanted, I actually, I wanted to, to do acting. That's why when I, I started taking the theater classes up in Montreal, I wanted to get into acting. Uh, like, cause like I said, Vinny Chase, like Vinny Chase is the guy. I don't know if you guys know Entourage or not, but that's my, that's, that's one of my favorite shows. But um. But I was at a, I was watching, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was, yeah, yeah. When I first, when first went out to LA, I was 2000, it was December, 2012. And I, that's when I had the bad, the bad knee from Canada. My friend was, I was at uh, some like uh, AFC championship game. That's when the Chargers were good. They were at an AFC championship game where we were at this party, like this watch party. And I'm talking to this, this one girl and, and, she's a producer and she's like you know you don't strike me much as an actor she's like you got a personality you should do hosting and she was like you should take classes with Marky Costello I'm, I'm sure she'd like you and blah 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 and I went started classes with this lady named Marky Costello out there and and I, I went I remember I tried to read teleprompter at the boot camp and I, 
And I was like, man, can I read it? Like, I really doubted my reading abilities because I bombed the teleprompter so bad. But the lady was like, Marquis was like, she liked my personality and all. Teleprompter was something that can be worked on. And she started putting me in the classes. So that's how I kind of transitioned into hosting. So so now just to end this, uh, what, what would you, you know, classify yourself as now? Are you an athlete? You know, are you an entertainer? You know, what do you do? Uh, I mean, TV personality, producer, entrepreneur, um, you can say, uh, kind of football coach. Cause I like doing the football training out and, you know, with, with the high school kids, college kids, you uh, know, out in Europe and in the United States as well, man, I'm just, I'm trying to live life, man. I don't want, I don't want any labels on me, you know, just call me, just call me subject X, you know? I'm just whatever, whatever. And this is for you guys. I like the way you guys are doing this podcast, man, starting young, starting early and just be consistent with it. You know, you guys keep, you may think that you're bothering someone, not even keep emailing them until they do it. You know, you get these things done because if you don't, somebody else is. So, and open yourselves up to video or radio, whatever it is, whatever it is out there, you know, you go do it because you just, in this, in this game, in this business, it's just like football and trying to make a 53 man roster. There's a saying, the more you can do, you know, 90 guys going to training camp, 53 make the team. So it's like, if you, if you can just, if why just play linebacker, if you can play special teams, you can long snap and you can, you know what I'm saying? That's like the only breeds longevity, you know? So shout out to you two for, uh, for doing this. Brendan London is a Super Bowl champion and a Grey Cup champion. Thanks so much for coming on today. No problem, man. Take it easy, guys. All right, so that was our interview with Brandon London. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, I first talked about the Twitters. Go follow me at JoshHilla29. Go follow Alex at Anorian23. Go follow at the Giant Take Pod. While you're on Twitter, go follow Talking Blues at Chelsea FC Podcast that Alex, Peter, and I do. We talk uh, Chelsea. Chelsea won today 4-0, so that's good. Um, moving on, go follow us on Instagram at the Giant Take. Go follow us on Facebook at the Giant Take. Uh, wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Give us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and wherever you listen. Go check out thegiantake.com. We have blog posts, articles, uh, blog posts, articles, yeah, episodes, uh, anywhere you can listen, and stuff like that. Hopefully, a new blog post coming soon from Alex. Again, thegiantake.com. Also, go on to patreon.com backslash thegiantake, where you can uh, subscribe. $2 tier will give you fan requests, shout out on the podcast, and you can be part of the Patreon private community. And then finally... That wraps it up for episode number 55 of the Giant Take Podcast. I am Josh, and I am always joined by my co-host, Alex, who, again, was on here in this episode. Hopefully, he'll be here um, next week. Share with at least one friend. Share on your social medias. Tag us at the Giant Take or the Giant Take Pod if you're on Twitter. Uh, and, yeah, that, that's everything. So, again, 55 episodes down. Goodbye.
Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.